Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Ben Badler, I'm John Manuel. Gosh, the first uh, podcast I've recorded in the podcast nook in some time, Ben. So very excited to be back in the podcast nook, and uh, I think everyone's excited to have me not be talking in the meeting anymore and actually talking on the podcast. We're in the podcast nook where the door is closed, and only you're the only one who has to put up with it, you and the listeners, I suppose. It's almost like an interrogation room in here. Uh, <laughs> we, just need the, we just need the light shining down upon me. and We know we have the new lights. We have the new lights that used to be in the production room. We could bring them in here. We have ways of making you talk and shine them, shine them on you right here. But uh, we do appreciate the download on our new Monday time slot here on the Baseball America podcast, trying to shift things away a little bit from all the traffic that we generate with our chat and our prospect hot sheet on Friday. And we thought we'd talk a little prospect hot sheet and also talk about some of the prospects who have been traded in the last week or so and guys who might get traded. So let's start all right off with the prospect hot sheet, Ben, and uh, Friday's meeting, I don't go to most of the hot sheet meetings. Uh, I was in that one, much to y'all's chagrin on Friday. And uh, a surprise name at the top. And i got to say that Brandon Wood, he's such a tough guy to figure out. Uh, he was number one on our hot sheet, the, the Angels shortstop slash third baseman slash shortstop. Now he's back at shortstop. He's gotten to the big leagues, and he's really struggled when he's been there. It's his second year in AAA. He got off to an awful start this year. But lo and behold, here he is again, and he's he's on another tear offensively. And it seems like when this guy's going good, he is a very rare case of a shortstop who can play an up-the-middle position like that and really hit for above-average power. What, what do you make of Brandon Wood? Uh, you know, What got him hot, you think, now? What, what, what are the long-term prognoses now for Brandon Wood now? I mean, he just... He's just such a confusing prospect, it seems. I think it's just classic. What Brandon Wood did this past week was just kind of classic Brandon Wood. You know, maybe one week he'll you know, strike out 10, 12 times in a week. The next week he'll hit five home runs in a week, and that's what he did last week. And then over the weekend after we came out with Hot Sheet, I think he hit another home run or two. So, you know, obviously it's kind of an unusual profile for a guy who plays shortstop. And I can see why it would be frustrating, especially for a team like the Angels. It's definitely more contact-oriented team. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really steal a lot of bases, doesn't make contact that frequently. But, you know, there's there's when he does make contact, there's it, it goes a long way. Yeah. And that's that's obviously important, you know, no, no matter what position you play, if you have uh, that ability. And he's 23. Exactly. It, that, that's the thing, too. I think we get a little bit of fatigue sometimes with some of these prospects, uh, especially Latin American prospects who, you know, we hear about since they were 16 years old. Uh, we'll probably touch on Jose Tabata a little bit later. Perfect example. Maybe we've been hearing about for three years now already, but he's only 19. So uh, you just got to keep the age in mind always, uh, especially for our, our Baseball America readers who who keep up with all this stuff. But, you know, Brandon Wood, uh, you know, the strikeouts are, are one thing. When you strike out that frequently, and you know, he's shown maybe a little bit of progress in the last month or so with that, but you don't know whether that's just kind of – Facing maybe he's just faced a few pitchers who weren't, you know, great strikeout pitchers, or if that's real improvement, it's it's hard, it's hard to tell uh, with just a month of stats or or of his performance like that. But you know, it is it is kind of frustrating when you see a guy with, you know, that much raw ability who who really hasn't made too much progress in terms of his pitch recognition and that's, his ability to make contact. That's the real thing there is that you just don't see the the progress made yet, and I think that's where. If you're the Angels, I think that's where their frustration seems to have come in, mm-hmm. is that they've been patient with this guy, and yet he's he's basically the same guy that he was, uh, you know, the last couple of years, except for 
He's not as consistent offensively. Uh, he has been pretty streaky this year, mm-hmm. and but right now when he's on a hot streak, and like you said, I think I think prospect fatigue definitely sets in, whether it's bloggers or whether it's Baseball America. But looking at this guy's day by days right now, he's going to be on the hot sheet again coming up. He's got five straight multi hit games, and he's homered in four of those games as we record this on the twenty eighth. I mean, what more do you want uh, from a guy? And he's also he's hitting right handed pitchers. Um, but I think the bigger thing is to kind of put him in, in really a context. Is he, is he going to be a superstar? And three years ago, it looked like he was going to be. He had a season for the ages in the California League. Even in the Cal League, you just don't get guys who have 110 extra base hits. I seen, I don't recall the number off the top of my head, but we had to look a long way into the past to find a minor leaguer with 100 extra base hits. And so what he did that year was just amazing. But he's not uh, – I think he showed he was not ready for the major leagues yet with the Angels. And it's also hard, like you said, the Angels are such a different organization, different mindset than other teams are. Uh, he seems like he would be a great trade ship. If the Angels didn't have such a huge lead in the American League West, uh, say if Oakland hadn't completely bailed on this season when they were four and a half games out, mm-hmm. uh, now Texas is chasing them. And let's face it, Texas is not going to catch the Angels. Texas is in second place now, a half game ahead of, of Oakland as we record this. I don't think there's any way the Angels are going to get caught in the American League West. But still, if they wanted to make a move, if they could get a Mark Teixeira, Brandon Wood certainly sounds like a price they'd be willing to pay because I don't think he's going to be helping their team anytime in the near future. I mean, this is a team that hits Meiser Asturias in the three-hole uh, and gets away with it. You know, they win that way. Um, but he was definitely one of the more unusual guys to be number one on a prospect hot sheet. High on that hot sheet on Friday, I believe number three, Ben, was Jeff Samarja. Speaking of. Another unusual, yeah. another uh, just an enigmatic prospect and a guy who's gone from all money. I mean, I, I would say hype, but all the hype around him was just generated by the bonus. So really, so I, I don't think it was hype so much as attention. No one was trying to say this guy was worth the money, but he did get all that money, and he was being fast-tracked no matter what his statistics were. And now he's gone to the big leagues, and he's thrown four innings, and he looked outstanding in both outings in the big leagues for the Cubs. Upper 90s velocity. The slider looked pretty sharp. And he two innings and gave up a home run, and then two innings and he strikes out five and gets a save. I mean, he's looked pretty doggone good so far, Ben. It's, it's hard to think of a college baseball player who, who's gotten as much hype as him, uh, especially considering he really didn't do much as a college baseball player. No, you're right. It's, it's mostly relative to what he did on – on Saturdays on on NBC for the Fighting Irish, <laughs> but uh, it's you know I think a lot of times guy maybe guys with a kind of power sinker, especially with that kind of movement, you know it's 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 a little bit easier to control a pitch and command a pitch when it's just going in a straight line. When it has that much movement, it's a little bit more difficult to to be able to command that. And I think once you get that command down, and you obviously you got to have more than one pitch, but you know, I think Fausto Carmona struggled with that a little bit too earlier in, great in his comparison. career. That's a great comparison. I, think, I just think some of the guys with that, you know, you got to believe in a guy with, or at least give a guy a chance with a power sinker. You know, maybe some years they'll be up, some years they'll be down. Uh, I think that just happens a lot with, with guys with just great, like Derek Lowe was that way when he was with the Red Sox. Yep, yep. Um, that's, uh, another, that's another yeah, good comp, actually. Yeah. That's a really I, think, good comp. So I think Samarja dials it up a little faster than low. But, uh, and the thing is, uh, those, are, those are great physical comps, too. I mean, Samarja's a little more athletic, but Lowe is six foot six, and he was a point guard in high school and a nationally recruited one, very athletic. Um, that's a great comp, and I think that's a best-case scenario, maybe, for Jeff Samarja. And Derek Lowe had success as a closer 
uh, with the Red Sox before becoming a starter, and he's you know, still he's still Derek Lowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his one great peak year with Boston, and even with the Dodgers, he's been pretty good at times. Other times, not so much. So, uh, but he's been he's been durable. And boy, if Jeff Samarja has a Derek Lowe kind of career, I think because would be pretty excited right now. If he just has a Derek Lowe kind of good couple of months, uh, his timing is impeccable right now with uh, Kerry Wood with this blister problem and Carlos Marmol really struggling. But I mean. It sounds like uh, Jeff Samarja just getting a little more com- control of his secondary pitches and uh, having his secondary pitches be a little bit better kept keeps hitters. He's able to put that thought in hitters' heads so they can't just sit on the sinker, and now he's commanding the sinker better, and he's able to really you know, polish guys off with that pitch. But uh, those two guys, I mean, Brandon Wood and Jeff Samarja, are two of the hardest guys to predict uh, yeah. in years. I, two of the hardest guys I can think of. I think uh, yeah, I like the role. I think ideally, maybe he'd even want to leave because he doesn't have that much uh, experience or getting regular innings out there either in in college or in in the pros. I think ideally, maybe you leave him down, uh, get get more innings, and because he's th- only throwing an inning or two in in the big leagues right now, maybe you leave him in AAA would be ideal so he can get more innings under his belt, get more experience that way. But I, I actually I think I really like the role that the Cubs are using him in right now. I mean, maybe it was an homage to, to Goose Gossage, but they use him as a two-inning <laughs> save the other day, and I think that's great. He I just, agree completely. He doesn't have to go, you know, the only, you don't get to see him two or three times through the lineup if you're an opposing hitter. You only get to see because he does have very good stuff, so if you're only seeing that stuff uh, one one time in a game or, or in, a, in a series, you know, it's it's kind of tough to react to that. You saw Hanley Ramirez, what he did to, what, what Samarja did to Hanley Ramirez, you know, one of the best hitters in the game, and he just looked completely... He looked overmatched. Exactly. Which is really hard to do to a guy like Hanley Ramirez. And Jeff Samarja, just a 5.2 strikeouts per nine in A in 76 innings, then 9.64 strikeouts per nine in A. The walk rate came down, the, the strikeout rate skyrocketed. His home run rate also skyrocketed, but it's just I think you'll take the trade off if you're the Cubs, and he's been very effective in the big leagues they so just far. The big spotlight of Iowa, <laughs> I guess so. He just need to be back in the need to be back in the football country, uh, not not down in the <laughs> in in Knoxville, which is a that's quite a knock. It would be on the on Tennessee fans. I, I did not mean that, but uh, it's the Baseball America podcast. He's Ben Badler. I'm John Manuel. You mentioned Jose Tabata, and that's a, a earlier. I actually thought I had a segue in my head from Samarja to Tabata, but I've already, oh, it was Hanley Ramirez. Uh, actually, I don't remember who the writer was today. I want to give credit where it was due, but uh, someone made the comparison. It might have actually been Ken Davidoff in Newsday talking about how three years ago, uh, Hanley Ramirez, when he was traded, uh, it was kind of like a sell low. Uh, sell Yeah, sell, the Red Sox were selling low on Hanley Ramirez because he was coming off a pretty bad year at A, and he got to the major leagues, and he's certainly been outstanding. Jose Tabato, kind of the focus, really, of this uh, Yankees-Pirates trade. The Yankees getting ex-Navy and Damaso Marte for Jose Tabata and three AAA pitchers, Russ Ollendorf, uh, well, Ross Ollendorf, uh, Jeff Carstens, and Daniel McCutcheon. I think Tabata is clearly the key here. Uh, you know, you're, ben, you're getting a, a high-ceiling offensive player, and yet a guy who uh, he's probably come up on the not-hot sheet uh, as much as anything this year. Has he really even ever had a stretch this year where he's gotten things going offensively? It's it's not it's about as bad of a season as as you could draw up. Uh, not just statistically, obviously. No, either. I mean Jordan Schaefer obviously is That's you know the... <laughs> suspension and and not playing well. That's the one I was I mean, thinking of that rivaled him. That's the only thing I can think of. But you know, 
Tabata's had the the suspensions, the off field or on field, but leaving the field. Yeah, basically, kind of quit the team, like left the stadium. Then had a confrontation with his manager. Yeah, and now he has a hamstring pull. So he's yeah. It's it's actually interesting because I think uh, either what is it Altoona is in Trenton right now, starting today for a four game series. I don't know if he's actually going to play there, but. And Altoona, of course, is the, the Pirates' double-A affiliate, Trenton, the, the Yankees' double-A affiliate. Um, you know, I think he's had some hamstring problems, so I'm not sure if he's actually going to appear there, uh, play or even show up for, for the series. But it's it's been about a ba- as bad a year as you could draw up for, for Tabata. But, you know, the pow- the power's way down, and he's had the Hammett injury. Uh, I guess the Pirates maybe have a thing for the Hammett injuries. I don't know with <laughs> with Pedro Alvarez, they're they're still unsigned second Plus overall two. pick. But um, you know, I, I think they assume that the power will eventually come back once that injury once that injury heals. I think what you what they're thinking is this guy turns twenty next year. Yeah. In the off season, could we have gotten Jose Tabata for one of these guys or even both of these guys, Nady and Marte? Maybe not. I mean, I think Jose Tabata was thought of as kind of off limits. To everybody of the Yankees in trade talk. So, obviously, his trade uh, value had sunk. I still think it's a, a chance worth taking if your scouts see that there's still tools there. I mean, to me, one piece of the evidence that there's still something there is he's, he's hitting the 15 double plays. You have to hit the ball hard to hit, hit into a double play most of the time. Like Jim Rice was famous for hitting into tons of double plays. That's one thing that if you want to, the only way you can spin it positive is usually you're hitting the ball hard if you're hitting the ball in the double plays. Uh, that also could speak to Jose Tabata having lost several steps this year. He is also, uh, the, the quote we even had in the handbook was that scouts from opposing clubs really just think of him as a dog, a guy who doesn't go hard every time. That's another way you get doubled off mm-hmm. is if you, you know, jog out of the box. Uh, so uh, there's a, there, it's hard to spin him positive other than he's 19, he turns 20 in August, and you just hope this whole thing is a learning experience. And, you know, the, the, again, like you mentioned, the, he had surgery. The hand, the right hand injury happened in 2006. He played winter ball and had to quit winter ball early with that problem. Then didn't have surgery until like August 07 on the Hammond injury. So he's, he, you could still say he's getting over this right hand slash wrist injury. But for me, uh, I think that's a chance worth taking. And when you're the Pirates and you have the kind of lack of uh, pitching depth that they have in their farm system, I think you have to. You have to get bodies, and that's what they got. They got yeah. some solid bodies. Are any of those guys championship caliber starters? I'd question that. I'd question if any of those guys they got from New York are going to be anything more than a number four starter. I think the most optimistic is that Daniel McCutcheon's a fourth starter. Maybe Ross Ollendorf's a fourth starter. I think Carson's is the definition of a 4A slash fifth starter kind of guy. Um, but I think it's a chance worth taking uh, if you're if you're Pittsburgh and. They really have no pitching depth in their own system as it is, Ben, so why not go out and get some? Yeah, I also wouldn't characterize this as a, a blockbuster deal by any means. I think Xavier Nady is a nice, to me, average, maybe a little bit below average, which is valuable. But you know, yeah, he's, he's better than some of the guys that were running out there at first base. Yeah, he's, he's having a career year this year, and, and to expect him to continue at this, the pace he's hitting right now for the rest of the year uh, moving from the NL Central to the American League East, I think is is kind of unrealistic. I would look to the 
the past couple of years of what he's done is more, more yeah, you know, more indicative of what he's going to do. Yeah, maybe balanced a little bit with this year, but he's kind of an average to a little bit below average player for me. I thought Damaso Marte was a great pickup, but yeah, I get it, getting getting him thrown in that deal obviously is a, a nice move by the Yankees to how have many, that arm. In how the many program. innings? How many games will he actually really impact? Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. He already impacted one. He came in, struck out Big Poppy on Saturday, and uh, that made the trade instantly look good for the Yankees. So. I think that Trey has a chance of helping both clubs, to be honest with you. Um, I just think the bigger question is how much does it help the, the Yankees and uh, can they make the playoffs? I mean, right now, if the playoffs started, they are out. You know, the Yankees uh, trailing both Boston and Tampa. Now, does Tampa react? Uh, you know, you have to wonder if any of these teams are involved with the Dodgers. Uh, to me, the Dodgers make <clears throat> excuse me make a move for Casey Blake. Uh, that has to be there has to be another shoe that's going to drop here, Ben. They have to. Has to be some other deal they're going to make to go out and get a shortstop with Andy LaRoche as the key piece there. Or maybe they're going to go out and get a pitcher with LaRoche who's aced out at third base by Casey Blake. They give up Carlos Santana, a catcher having one of the better years in the minors. Uh, you know, entered the year as the number 25 prospect, but I think is generally seen as a better prospect now than John Malone, who was a number eight guy. I think it's kind of hard to gauge John Malone because he's a big time arm, but he was starting in AAA and Las Vegas, a very unforgiving. Um, you know, ballpark scenario for any kind of pitcher, not to mention a guy who likes to throw high fastballs mm-hmm. um, and is his first time in AAA. But with the Dodgers even pay kind of a high price for 250 at bats of Casey Blake. Yeah, it's. it's uh, when they already have third baseman, you know. Yeah, I, to me, I would have just plugged Andy LaRoche in there. I would, they would have, like I said, I think I said in a chat earlier in the year, I would have just tried to deal DeWitt while his value was high if you could obviously get some for him. Um, and then just put LaRoche in there. He's. He has a an excellent, you know, triple A track record. He just hasn't really been given regular big league time. Uh, I think just playing a guy there for a couple of weeks doesn't really qualify as regular, whether they trade him or not. Now, you know, I I don't know. I'm not very good at predicting what the Dodgers <laughs> are going to do. I don't think anybody is. Uh, usually, if you just bet on uh, getting older, that's a good bet. The Dodgers are a very strange kind of schizophrenic team to me. I mean, uh, they they lose Takashi Saito, and they are using. Uh, you know, Jonathan Broxton has their closer now. He's got a couple saves in that role. They did call Clayton Kershaw back up. It's also hard to judge the Dodgers off the fact that they just played the Nationals this week. I mean, the Nationals are basically a double-A team. They're like a bad double-A team. You, know, you see these double-A teams that have, like, guys 26 to 27 throughout the middle of their lineup. Uh, that's the Nationals. I mean, like, Ron Belliard is basically a double-A four-hole hitter, and he's hitting four or five-hole for, for Washington. So it's very hard to judge the Dodgers, and you can't really predict really what uh, – you know what Ned Coletti's going to do either. Mm-hmm. I, I foresee them. There has to be some other trade to be made though here because they have four third basemen who are viable right now. I mean, if you count Nomar as one of those guys with Dewitt and LaRoche as the other guys, is there a prospect or I guess a, a, a trade that you think absolutely will happen? I guess I should say a big leaguer who you think will happen. That, that, that a trade that you're going to predict? Maybe go out on a limb there, Ben, and say a guy who will get traded. Uh, I'm going to stay back in the tree. I'm not going on any limbs, <laughs> but. Uh... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. You know, I think what Wood and and LaRoche, I think it's interesting. That I think the Casey Blake trade kind of affects the market yeah. for Wood because you know maybe you see Wood as a shortstop or maybe you see him as a third baseman. Uh, it depends, but you know if you're a team that that likes La, that likes Brandon Wood, but you have a hole at at third base and you'd like to put him there, well, well now there's a market for Andy LaRoche too, so there's a little more competition there. Uh, so I think that affects it. Um, so I think either of those two guys are probably two of the better prospects uh, on the market right now. Again, Wood kind of enigmatic like we talked about, but 
uh, there's a potential high reward there if, if everything does click with him. Uh, you know, I thought that was a pretty good trade for the Indians being able to to trade in Blake for for a pretty good catcher who's uh, in Carlos Santana who's shown a pretty good strong knowledge of the strike zone. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's the Cal League, so it's all we always take that with a little grain of salt. But e- even in that league, it's it's impressive for a guy who uh, and he only converted to catcher just recently. Kinda, right. It's just something the Dodgers like to do and, and have had success with, obviously, with a guy like Russell Martin. But uh, to, to be able to get him and 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 the prospects they got in that deal was impressive. But I think that uh, – Well, the names that are thrown out there, though, like you said, I mean, like Wood and LaRoche are – as far as prospects go, those are two of the better, I think, prospecty kind of names that are going to be thrown out mm-hmm. there. But the big league names are they're really bandied about, besides Mark Teixeira, are all kind of uh, uninteresting names to me. If Brian Fuentes is off the market – is Jason Bay the next best player? I guess he is if the Pirates are still going to trade Jason Bay. Uh, but you kind of have to wonder about that, too. I mean, like Jason Bay, to me, seems like he still should, should contribute to a Pirates team that you hope in two or three years would be turning things around. I mean, I don't know how easy it would be to sell to Pirates fans to trade all their decent players mm-hmm. I mean, right now because uh, they certainly don't have that many. There's a paucity of decent players in Pittsburgh. Nate McLouth is like their their best player right now if you trade Jason Bay. And I don't know, you're turning your strength, your outfield, into a weakness pretty pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know that Andrew McCutcheon and Steve Pierce, uh, I like McCutcheon, but Steve Pierce has kind of come back to reality a little bit here in 2008. That's just a very difficult, that was a very difficult job. I don't envy Neil Huntington for trying to do that job and change 16 years of losing around in Pittsburgh. Uh, but Teixeira seems like a big name that's going to go, but... I mean, like Jared Washburn. Forgive me if I have a hard time getting excited about Jared Washburn getting traded. And I'm surprised the Mariners haven't been more active out there. Their farm system is not in tremendous shape. Uh, it's okay. You know, they, do, they do have a lot of talent that's younger and international guys. But um, at the top, outside of Vladimir Ballantine and Jeff Clement, not a whole lot going on there. Not a whole lot of pitching in that system either. Uh, I'm surprised they still have Adrian Beltre. I'm surprised they still have some of the veteran guys that they do have. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast along with Ben Badler. I'm John Manuel. Uh, last thing I guess I want to touch on, uh, Ben, we could touch on a couple things. Olympic, I, I thought it, since we did most of our Olympic coverage, uh, we did have a one more roster change almost happened for USA Baseball this weekend. They almost lost Brandon Knight when he got caught up to the big leagues by the Mets, but he gets designated for assignment on Saturday. He also had Peter Orr leaving the Canadian team. And I just, it's just humorous in a way. I feel bad for Team Canada, but you have uh, – it's a calamity, really, for Team Canada. They lost Pete Orr. They don't have enough middle infielders for their team. Um, so Stubby Clapp, their 36-year-old Astros minor league coach, is probably going to be Canada's everyday second baseman. I like international baseball. I like the international tournaments and those kind of things. I think it's a neat window on baseball. I definitely think it has its place. But when you see the Olympic tournament with Taiwan with three amateur players, uh, Canada and the Netherlands with high school players, the U.S. with a college player on it. It's hard to get too thrilled about that that tournament for me anyway. And I and I like Olympic baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time getting excited, too excited about it. I don't know if does that make the tournament lesser for you that there's that that young talent like that, or or does the fact that it's Brett Lowry, he's at least a very good high school player for Canada, yeah, lessen the blow. I think for for me, I, I like seeing the young talent there. I think the problem is. There isn't really that much there. You know, there's obviously some very good prospects: Dexter Fowler, Matt Laporta. Yeah. You know, those guys are are Nick Weglar is on Canada, Michael Saunders as well. But 
uh, the rosters are, are kind of, and I understand why, because their goal is to win an Olympic gold medal. And right. Not, you know, not just make ple- a top prospect team. That's right. But, uh, you know, when you see some guys out there, some of the guys they have, like some of the, you know, some of the 4A guys out there who are just kind of having a career year, but, you know, maybe the last two, three years really haven't shown much. Right. Haven't shown the ability to, you know, command the strike zone and have, have good pitch recognition. I think that's going to get exploited uh, in, in international competition. I think it's I, it's just hard to get excited about some of those guys. It's... It's it's exciting to see guys like Dexter Fowler and, and Trevor Cahill and Brett Anderson there, but uh, you know a lot of these four A guys and, and you're happy for them, and it's obviously probably going to be the highlight right. of their career. But right. from a, a fan perspective, it's hard to get real fired up about you know some of the some of the guys they do have trotting out there. And the thing is, like it was really only the good four A players who've really had some success for Team USA in the past. When they've had other four A guys like a John Cotton, for example, was on the 2000 Olympic team, a Rick Krivda. Those guys were not very good AAA players. They were okay AAA players. The one thing that for Team USA is at least I think they do have good AAA players. John Gall's a good AAA player. Uh, Terry Tiffy's a good AAA player. Uh, Mike Hessman was the international league MVP. He's kind of a iffy AAA player because he's so feast or famine. Uh, two years ago, the guy hit 165 in a full year, and the next year he was international league MVP. Uh, but I'm wondering also, like how it seems to me, it's hard to imagine that Japan is not the favorite in the Olympics. Uh, I do think, it, it, despite the talent level of those players, those games are usually competitive and exciting because of the intensity involved. But whether or not it makes for great baseball to watch is, uh, we we probably won't even find out because probably the baseball won't be televised, and uh, uh, that's kind of how Olympic baseball also goes. That's the other part of the problem with Olympic baseball. Uh, NBC doesn't seem to care, so it's kind of hard for other people to be uh, to invest much emotion much emotion in it. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up the podcast though, Ben. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some trade reaction, trade deadline reaction, especially with the prospects that are traded. You can always check that at baseballamerica.com at Trade Central, just especially under the majors tab on the pull down menu. There's a Trade Central link. You can go to see all the trades of 2008, and then at the bottom of that page is always a Trade Cent- links to Trade Central every year back to 2001. Trade Central, I believe, are all archived. And starting tomorrow, we'll have all of our Olympic preview coverage going up live at BaseballAmerica.com. So check all that out on our website. For Ben Badler, I'm John Manuel. Thanks a lot for the download. We'll talk to you next week. So long, everybody.